Welcome to this edition of Nightmare Fuel, Creeps and Peepers. I'm Dan Cummins, and I'll be sharing one original short story of the horror variety, just not true horror. If you'd like to really immerse yourself in this story, I highly recommend noise cancellation headphones for the best experience. Now, here we go. No announcements, no segments, no conversation, just a new nightmare. Time now for the tale of 1.17 a.m. Wednesday, March 23rd, 1.17 a.m., muffled screaming. A minute or so after first hearing it emanating from his living room, Marty Romano is staring at the large couch he'd botched a few months back. His on-again, off-again girlfriend, Soma, sits on it. Don't you want to know what's underneath, baby? What's making that noise? She asks. Marty's been doing his damnedest to ignore the noise. He's been ignoring this noise and other noises. For how long now? Four? Five nights? A week? He can't remember exactly. Life has been a bit of a blur of late. He hasn't been sleeping well. Soma asks, Don't you think you should at least look, Marty? There's nothing to look at. I don't hear it, Marty snapped. There's nothing there, Soma. Marty lies to himself again. He's been doing that a lot lately. He definitely hears it. He hears it all. And it scares him. He doesn't want to think too deeply about what it all might mean. The muffled screaming. The sounds that always follow of what sure seems like something clawing. Something furiously scratching. There is something down there beneath the couch. And it sounds like it wants to get out. Like maybe it will get out. And then what? Marty keeps thinking that if he ignores it long enough, maybe it will just go away. Why can't it just go away? Maybe whatever it is will finally just die. Marty turns and heads back to his bed. Soma stares after him. When will he finally accept that this is a real problem? That it's one that will not just go away on its own? That it's not something you can just ignore and pretend isn't happening? Not forever. As Marty enters his bedroom, the muffled screams behind him grow louder. Frantic. The sounds of clawing and scratching are replaced with a loud pounding. It was going to be hard to sleep again, Marty thinks as he closes his bloodshot eyes and his troubled head hits the pillow. Eventually, he knows that the screams and scratches and clawing and pounding, it will all die down and go away, for the night at least. It always has so far, and then everything will be quiet again until the next night when it all starts over. Maybe. Hopefully soon, very soon, one night when the clock strikes 1.17 a.m., his house will still be quiet, and Soma won't be pushing him to look under the couch. Everything will be okay again. He just wants everything to be okay again. What's up, Marty? You gonna fuck something else up again today? Or did you already hit your quota for the week? Fuck you. Rocco laughed. He'd hoped Marty was gonna laugh as well but he remained his new, dour self. Marty had been fucking things up a bit this week, but Rocco wasn't trying to rub it in. He was trying to lighten things up. He was worried. Marty hadn't been himself in months. In the past few weeks, he'd been especially miserable. He looked a little worse every day. The bags under his eyes were a little more noticeable. His eyes a bit more bloodshot eyes that were all too often lost in a vacant thousand-yard stare now. His older brother used to be all smiles, all the time, always joking around. For most of his life, he was used to Marty being the one who busted his balls. But then, Soma showed up. Rocco was not a fan. First off, 
He just didn't think she was a good person. She seemed fake. Her face said one thing, but her eyes often said the opposite. Rocco pegged her as a user. He'd known plenty of users before. People who are smiling and saying all the right things, not because it's genuine, but because they think they can get something out of you for doing so. And she wasn't a good fit for Marty. She brought out the worst in his brother. Seemed like they were always fighting. Rocco hadn't seen Marty, who was no angel himself either, to be clear, in such an obviously toxic relationship before. It was hard to watch. Rocco knew Soma was trouble the first night he met her. She worked as a waitress down at the Emporium, a popular sports bar on Elizabeth Street that catered mostly to college kids. She was still almost a college kid herself. She was young, too young for Marty. And she liked to party, which is fine. Rocco liked to party. Marty liked to party too. But Soma, when she drank or did whatever else, she'd always start playing games. Like she blatantly flirted with Rocco right in front of Marty the first time Rocco met her. Definitely. It was not in his head like Marty tried to tell him later. When he brought it up to his brother, Marty acted like he was the one who was out of line. He accused him of being the one doing the flirting. He got so mad Rocco was afraid to bring it up again when she did it on at least two other occasions. Rocco also didn't bother bringing it up when he saw her flirt with other guys in front of Marty and he knew his brother noticed. Marty was always buying her shit too. Oh my God, a gold bracelet here, a weekend away there, concert tickets, expensive dinners. Rocco thought she was a bit of a gold digger. And look, his brother was not rich. He didn't have a lot, but he and Marty had done more than all right since they took over their uncle's construction company a few years back. Marty might not be driving a Bentley and living in a gated community, but now he drove a new Ford Raptor, owned a two-story house, and had enough money in the bank to be talking about buying a rental soon. And he'd worked hard for all that shit. He was 37, and he'd only started making good money a couple years earlier. And now he was blowing so much of it on this bar waitress who was, what, 24, 25, who always wanted to party, who never paid for shit. And he certainly did not seem happier because of it. Look, she was hot. Rocco got it. She was probably crazy in bed. But goddammit, why couldn't he date someone hot who also had their shit together? At least a little bit. Young ass. Damn if it doesn't turn some dudes into fools. Like his brother, apparently. Oh, and then a little over a month ago, Marty had caught Soma cheating on him with her fucking bar manager. What a cliche. He should have dropped her ass forever right there. Instead, Marty almost went to jail. Back to jail, actually. He'd always had a temper, and he for sure let his fist fly a little too loosely too often when he was younger. He stormed into the Emporium and clocked the guy right in the fucking face. Said if it happened again, he'd kill him. He was lucky that douchebag didn't press charges. And after all that shit, she kept working there, and they stayed together. Why? Or maybe they kind of stayed together. It was hard to tell now. Ever since they were, well, Rocco didn't know. Dating, hooking up, some kind of on-again, off-again bullshit. She was sucking the fucking life out of him. And it was painful to watch. Come on, Rocco said. Let's get these trusses set. We don't want to pay this crane operator for any more days than we have to. Marty nodded, somewhat absently, and quietly followed his brother over to the big garage and shop they were building. Luckily, Marty could set trusses in his sleep which he almost did this day. He was having a hell of a time keeping his mind at the job site. His mind wanted to be back home. He couldn't stop wondering what would happen at 1.17 in the morning. He wondered if it would start up again. He wondered if, instead of going away, it got worse. He wondered what would happen if whatever was underneath the couch decided to come out. What then? What would he see? 
Strangely, he felt like he did know what was down there, but every time he felt like he was just about to remember, a feeling of overwhelming, suffocating panic set in, and his mind quickly pushed the terrifying thought out of his head, and he returned to his habit of trying and colossally failing to ignore it all. Thursday, March 24th, 1.17 a.m., muffled screaming. Marty again rolls out of bed and walks into the living room and stares at the old couch. Soma was, once again, up and over at his place, uninvited. He thought they were broken up. She clearly felt different. Typical Soma, always up late, always doing whatever the hell she wanted. And right now, she wanted to sit on his couch and keep bothering him about something he still was not ready to deal with. What was under the couch? They both looked down at the floor, where the light from the living room died under the front edge of the couch as the sound of screaming continued. Come on, Marty. How long are you going to ignore this? Why can't you just take a look? Aren't you curious, baby? If you're not man enough to look, why can't you call someone who is? Have them come on over and end this. Why don't you fucking call someone, Soma? Funny, Soma deadpanned. Marty sighed. Yeah, she was right. It was his house. If anyone was going to deal with this, it would need to be him. Fuck! He yelled towards the floor beneath the couch. Just stop! Just fucking stop already! Temper, temper, Marty. Marty glared at her and then turned and walked back to his bed. Why couldn't Soma leave too? He wanted to be rid of the noises and yeah, he thought he was ready to be rid of her as well. He was going to have to change his locks or something. Once again, the muffled screams behind him grew louder as he walked away. Once again, the sounds of clawing and scratching were replaced with a loud pounding. When would this end? Marty felt like he was getting very close, dangerously close to losing his mind. He shut his bedroom door and locked it, leaving Soma in the living room with whatever the hell that was, and he did his best to fall back asleep. All right, bro. Another week in the books. A damn good week. We got a lot of shit done. What do you think? Still feeling like we'll be wrapped up, ready to move on to that duplex by next Friday? Yeah, I don't see why not. Bro, you are killing me. We just had a great week. We're going to finish this shit about 10 days ahead of schedule. That's a lot of extra money in your pocket and mine. You should be excited. I know. I I am. Good work, Rocco. This is good. This is real good. What is going on, man? You and Soma break up again? I I don't know. I I I think so. I haven't heard from her in over a week. Marty lied, and Rocco seemed to believe him. Marty didn't feel like telling him the truth. He didn't want to deal with his brother's questions. He didn't want to tell him that every goddamn night he was waking up and finding Soma on his couch. He knew Rocco didn't like her. They hadn't spoken to each other in what, a month? If he told him, Rocco would probably want to come over one night and escort her out of his house himself. He was not about that drama. Instead of sharing anything about Soma or what he'd been hearing coming from underneath his cursed couch, he added, I just haven't been sleeping well. Sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll figure out some meds or something and, you know, just get my shit together again. All right. I'm just worried about you, bro. And since you're basically single, you are coming out with me tonight. No, no, I, I should go home and just get some rest. No, no way, dickhead. You're coming out tonight and getting drunk enough so that I can see you have some fun for a change and you can get some rest. Marty smiled at that weakly, but still a smile. It was the first time Rocco had seen him grin in over a week. Hell yeah, dude. I'll make it easy. Let's just go to West End. West End was a little dive bar three blocks from Marty's house. Marty and Rocco used to go there all the time, but hadn't been there since, well, since he'd met Soma. 
Well, fuck me if it isn't the Romano brothers. I was starting to think you guys had gotten too good for me. What's up, Edwin? How you been? Rocco leaned in for a quick man hug. Marty followed. Same old shit, different day. And I like it that way. Edwin was only in his 40s, but it felt like he'd been built along with the bar. It was impossible to imagine the West End without seeing Edwin and his big bald head, playful, mischievous eyes, big thick mustache and goofy grin working behind the bar, doing the occasional shot of Jack with his regulars, tossing out guys he'd be giving a big hug to and welcoming back the very next night, and belting out a little 38 special, or Van Halen, along with the jukebox at least once a night. Finally, Marty cut loose a bit. He still didn't tell his brother about what he kept hearing in his living room, though. But he did get drunk enough to have an idea. What if he brought Rocco over? Would he also hear what was haunting him? Or was it all in his head? I mean, all in his head and, damn it, I guess all in Soma's head, too. Unless she was making those noises. That was something he'd been thinking a little about. What if she was pissed at him for something they'd fought about and she was fucking with him? He didn't know how she could do that. Maybe she hit a speaker down under the couch or something. Who knows? But his brother hearing it or not hearing it, that would have to help him figure all of this out, wouldn't it? The brothers closed out their tab at one. Instead of closing the place down, despite Edwin practically begging them to stay for a few more rounds and calling them a couple of pussies, said with love and a smile, who couldn't hang anymore when they bounced. They walked to Marty's for another drink. And before we find out what happens to Marty and Rocco at 1.17 a.m., it's time for our mid-show sponsor break. If you don't want to hear these ads, please become a Robert or Annabelle on Patreon and get these and all other Scared to Death episodes ad-free and more. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking, and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. Head to factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 and use code scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code scared to death 50 at factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Thank you for not going anywhere. Now back to Marty, bringing his brother Rocco home to help try and determine what the hell keeps happening in his house every night. They stepped inside the house between 110 and 115. Just in time to crack open a few beers and see what Rocco might hear. Shit. Marty muttered under his breath when he walked into the living room ahead of Rocco. Summer was back, sitting on the couch. He was really hoping that, best case, she wouldn't be there, that both he and Rocco would not hear anything, and then he would know it was all Soma's doing, and he could change his locks, be done with all this shit, and get back to his life. Have fun tonight, boys? She asked. I wondered if you were coming home, Marty. Marty didn't say anything. He ignored her and walked straight into the kitchen. 
He hoped his brother wouldn't get into it with her. But Rocco didn't acknowledge her either. He knew he'd have to deal with his brother telling him that he had to break it off completely soon, but hopefully not tonight. In the kitchen, Marty grabbed he and his brother a couple of beers out of the fridge, braced himself for how awkward things were going to be, and went back out into the living room. Rocco sat next to Soma on the couch. Neither seemed to acknowledge the presence of the other. Damn, they hated each other. Marty sat in the armchair, off to the side of the big couch. Marty glanced at his phone as the time turned over to 1.17 a.m. And right on cue, the muffled screaming began. Marty did his best not to acknowledge it. Instead, he focused on Rocco. His younger brother didn't react at all. Soma then locked eyes with him for a moment, smirked, and shook her head. He won't hear it, Marty. This is just for us. Just you and me. What the fuck was she talking about? Marty wondered. What kind of sense did that make? None. You really don't hear it? He asked Rocco. Hear what? Rocco looked confused as he glanced in the direction of Marty and then in the direction of Soma, trying to figure out what the hell his brother was talking about. Never mind, said Marty. Nothing. And then he turned on Sports Center and cranked the volume up a bit louder than normal to drown out the screams. They were showing basketball highlights and Rocco started talking about how there was no way LeBron would overtake Michael Jordan when it came to who was the best to ever do it. Normally, Marty would have pushed back. He loved LeBron. But right now, he was so distracted by the goddamn screaming the clawing, the scratching, the pounding. How did his brother not hear any of that? Soma shot him a knowing glance, smiled, and shook her head. Marty shook his head a bit as well. He was going crazy. He was absolutely going fucking crazy. And it was Soma's fault somehow. Or maybe maybe he had already lost his mind. He tried his best to keep his shit together as the noises died down and Rocco and he finished their beers. At some point, Soma left. Thank God. A little while after she did, Rocco left as well, and now Marty sat alone with his spiraling thoughts. He was going to end up locked away, wrapped up in a straitjacket if this kept going. Before he went to bed, he almost, almost got down on his hands and knees to look under the couch. He almost pushed the couch down the wall so he could inspect what may lie beneath it. But when he tried to do these things, he froze. He felt truly paralyzed by the most intense amount of dread he had ever felt in his life. He was so terrified to the very core of his being. Instead of getting to the bottom of it all, he went back to his room, locked the door, and had another night of poor sleep. Saturday, March 26th, 9 a.m. Marty sat at the little breakfast table in the small dining room adjacent to his living room. A bowl of barely eaten Cheerios, now all soggy and milk-logged, was placed next to a still full glass of water in front of him. He was thirsty. He was actually very thirsty. After drinking the night before, but still he barely bothered to take a sip. He was too lost in his thoughts to care how he felt. He wore the same vacant stare that he'd had for a week or more. Mouth slightly agape, eyes glossy. He couldn't stop thinking about how his life was falling apart. Why was Soma doing this to him? How much longer could he go on like this before he ended up in the hospital or worse? He finally decided he was going to have to do something about what was under the couch tonight. No more putting it off. No more being scared. No more hesitating. He had to get it over with. If it happened again tonight, he promised himself he would figure out what the hell was going on. He'd call in a priest. he called call the fucking Ghostbusters. Something. He'd throw the couch aside and tear up the flooring. Maybe then it would stop. Or at the very least, Soma would finally leave him alone. Marty got up and headed over to the job site after not eating much of his breakfast. It felt, if not good, at least better to be out of the house, to try and distract himself. And it was nice to be alone. 
to not have to see the way Rocco or the guys on their crew had been looking at him lately. And he looked worse than ever today. He'd only originally planned on working for a few hours, but he ended up putting in more than a full shift. He didn't need to get anything extra done. They were already ahead of schedule. He just didn't want to go back home. Sunday, March 27th, 1.15 a.m. After making it home around 8 o'clock following grabbing a burger, Marty had taken a shower, poured himself a drink, and then another, and then another. He'd watched Dumb and Dumber, his favorite movie, but didn't laugh once. He'd started to watch Scarface, his second favorite movie, had a few more drinks, and almost fell asleep before his alarm went off at 1.15. That was when he turned off the TV and made himself another drink. He was surprised Soma hadn't come over. This would be the first night since all this started, since he hadn't seen her. Maybe that was a sign. A good sign that his torment was finally over. He felt the tiniest bit of real hope for the first time since this had all began. But then... Hi, Marty. Shit. There she was, sitting on his couch again. What are you doing here, Soma? Come on, Marty. Miss our new nightly ritual? Not a chance. How the hell did you get in? I didn't hear you. I can be real quiet, Marty. You know that. What the hell was she talking about, Marty wondered. Soma was so weird. She'd always been a little weird. But since this all began, she had been acting especially strange. Ready for the show? She asked. I'm ready for it to be fucking over. Why are you doing this? It's not just going to be over, Marty. How do you know that, Soma? You're behind all this, aren't you? Really, Marty? Are you really asking me that? Soma, what are you even talking? 1.17 a.m. Muffled screaming, right on cue again. Fuck! Marty wasn't just tired anymore. He wasn't just scared. He was pissed off. Whatever this all was, it was ruining his life. Now, baby, are you finally ready to look? Fuck you, Soma. Get out of my house. No, Marty, I can't. Not until you look. Why do you care, Soma? This isn't your problem, unless you're the one fucking doing it. Marty, this is very much my problem. Stop saying weird shit. What the fuck is going on? I feel like I'm losing my mind. I am. I'm losing my fucking mind. You certainly are, baby. And it's not my fault. If you won't look, this will only get worse. Fuck it, Marty thought. Enough, he promised himself. He just needed to look, and then, then it would finally be over. Why had he been so afraid? The sound of the screaming was starting to grow louder. Okay, Marty said out loud. I'll look. Soma got up off the couch, and Marty positioned himself to slide the couch across the floor as the sound of clawing and scratching began. Marty froze. His heart was racing. Goosebumps broke out across both his arms. Come on, Marty. Soma prodded. Just do it. Give me a fucking second, Soma. Jesus Christ. Marty glared at Soma like he wanted to kill her as the sounds of scratching and clawing were replaced by the sounds of a loud pounding. Marty finally began pushing the couch aside. He moved quickly like he at long last was ripping a bandage off a wound. The pounding, no longer muffled by the couch, was louder than ever now. Marty, once he'd moved the couch about eight feet across the floor, could actually feel it. He could see the floor shake a bit, like someone was pounding on the floor from beneath it, and he felt sick. Also, it looked like someone had cut into the floor recently and then screwed it back down. Marty felt dizzy. What the fuck? What the fuck is right? Soma, now standing a few feet away, echoed before adding, Something's down there, Marty. Something looks like it was put down there, and not that long ago, and it wants out. Yeah... Marty weakly agreed. Don't you have some tools around here you could use to pull those boards off? A drill? A crowbar? Yeah, uh, yeah, Marty agreed again. He looked like a ghost. All the color had left his face. While Soma remained in the living room, Marty ran into his garage. The world around him felt wobbly. 
felt like he was dreaming. He shakily grabbed his cordless Makita screwdriver and a big 48-inch steel crowbar. For a brief moment, he wondered, why were those tools in his garage? They should be in the company equipment van parked in the driveway. What had he brought them in for? Had he used them recently? He couldn't remember. He stumbled back as if he were drunk into the living room. Something was still pounding on the floorboards. Soma just stared at him, or maybe glared was the better word. Was she mad at him? What the fuck did he do? He should be mad at her. Quickly now, he got down on his knees and removed one screw after another with the Makita. He moved around in a big rectangle as the pounding faded. By the time he was done, it had stopped entirely. Now he just needed to pop up a few boards with the crowbar. He looked again at Soma. She was crying. Why was she crying? Nothing made sense anymore. In a frenzy, Marty ripped up one board after another, about eight planks in total. A big rectangular sheet of wooden subflooring remained. It looked like it had been cut recently. He looked towards Soma again, and she was gone. Soma! So- Soma, wh- where are you? Nothing. Not a sound. He didn't hear any door open or close. Her walking away, nothing. Marty, sweating like he had a fever, still looking as white as a ghost, stared at the flooring. And did he smell something? Something rancid? Rotten? He felt like he was going to throw up. Hands shaking, he slowly reached down, grabbed one edge of the subfloor, lifted it up, and pushed it over until it leaned up against the wall. What he saw nearly caused him to faint. His knees went weak, and he stumbled backwards, nearly falling to the ground. No! No, 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 no! This isn't real! You were just here! There, between two joists beneath the subfloor, was the dead beginning to rot body of Soma Chan. But how? He'd seen her all week. She was just standing near him moments ago. This isn't fucking real! Hi, baby. Miss me? Soma's dead body began to move, her bloody and slightly bloated face twisted around to look towards his own. Marty struggled to speak. I'm having a nightmare. This is all a nightmare. Soma's corpse continued to speak as it began to rise up from its grave. Yes, Marty, this is a nightmare. And it's one that you made when you decided to fucking kill me. But it'll be over soon, baby. It'll be over just as soon as you join me. Ah! Marty screamed as Soma's corpse rose and now stood up upon the dirt beneath his home. She stepped up and out of her grave and onto the floor in front of him. Marty spun around and ran for the front door. As he grabbed the handle, he felt a cold hand grab the back of his shirt. There's nowhere for you to go, baby. I'll always find you. And I'll make you pay for what you did. No, no, no! You're not real! None of this is real! Marty was able to pull the door open, which for a moment caused him to lean back and press even closer up against the dead body of his former lover. The last thing he felt and heard before running out into the night was her whispering into his ear, We're gonna be together again, Marty. Forever. Marty, wild-eyed and blubbering and babbling, ran off into the night with no idea where he was heading. He just needed to get away, to never have to see what he just saw again. Within the hour, he was approached by police officers who listened to him continually say things like, She, she couldn't be dead. She, she, she couldn't be. I, I've been seeing her all week. I've been saying, no, there's nothing, there's nothing in the floor. It's in my head. It's a nightmare. This is, this is my nightmare right now. The officers were finally able to get Marty to calm down enough to get his name. Then, when they offered to drive him home, he freaked out. He freaked out enough that they ended up putting him in handcuffs and placing him in the back of the squad car to keep him from hurting himself or someone else. Then when they radioed in his name, they learned that he was a suspect in the recent disappearance of a young woman from the area, Soma Chan. A detective had left him several voicemails and swung by his home a few times, but he was never there. Because he'd said in his madness that Soma wasn't dead or disappeared, that she was just at his house, hiding under the couch, the officers swung by his house. As they did, another patrol car pulled up. While Marty sat in the back of the car, wildly babbling about how none of this was real, that he was just having a nightmare, 
one of the officers got out of his car to join officers from the other car to walk through the still open door of his home. And almost immediately, they found the dead body of Soma laying still in between two flooring joists. They radioed the officer in the car with Marty, who, once his partner returned, pulled away to take him to the station and book him on a murder charge. As they started to drive off, Marty saw Soma pull the curtains back in his living room. She was just standing there, smiling. No, 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 you don't need to do this! Marty yelled at the officers. No, Soma's fine! She's, she's standing in the window! This is a trick! This is her- Look! Look at her! She's not dead! One of the officers now told him, There's no one in the window, Marty. And she is most certainly dead. When Marty looked again, the curtains were shut, and he began to cry. He truly didn't know what was happening, but he would figure it out soon enough. After being booked on a murder charge, Marty began to remember. He'd had some sort of psychotic break. He'd stopped processing reality on some level. Now his memories of the terrible night and the terrible thing he did were coming back, and they were hard to accept. He'd wanted to write them off as dreams, but the psychiatrist he worked with assured him his memories were very, very real. Between what he would end up confessing and what investigators were able to piece together through text message exchanges and other evidence, the truth emerged. A few weeks earlier, Soma had told Marty that she was pregnant. Marty wanted her to have an abortion. The relationship was far from stable, but Soma insisted on keeping the baby. They had argument after argument after argument about it. And then one night when Soma was over, during an especially nasty fight, when Marty told her he didn't want the baby and he didn't want her either, she told him that she'd started hooking up with some other guy, and now their argument escalated into a full-on violent fight. Marty called her some horrible, terrible names, and Soma started to hit him. And in a moment of rage, Marty hit her back hard, way too hard, with a closed fist. He punched her in the mouth and knocked her to the ground, and Soma was shocked and scared and more enraged than ever. As he started to apologize and begged her not to tell anyone, she grabbed her phone and started to call the police. She told him he wasn't going to get away with this, that she was going to ruin his life. He grabbed the phone out of her hand, threw it against the wall, and broke it. She now tried to run out of the house, but Marty grabbed her. They struggled with one another for a few moments, and then, trying to swing her back away from the door, Marty, a big, strong man, ended up throwing her hard across the room. She stumbled, fell. Her head caught the corner of the table on the way down. At that point, Marty assumed Soma was dead, and he panicked. Not knowing what else to do, worried that someone might come over at any moment, he grabbed some of his tools from his work van, ripped up the flooring beneath his couch, tossed her body down beneath the floor, then screwed the flooring back on. Finally, he moved the couch over the flooring and then, not knowing what to do next, started to slowly descend into madness as the reality that people would be looking for her and the police would want to speak to him led to the realization that he would likely soon be charged with murder. And all that is almost the truth. What investigators didn't know until the autopsy report came back that led to more questioning with Marty was that the blow to Soma's head did not kill her. Not right away. It just knocked her unconscious. She woke up after she'd been buried beneath the floor. She woke up at exactly 1.17 a.m. and she started to scream. In a panic, she tried to scratch, to claw her way out. She pounded her fists against the subfloor and then soon she must have lost consciousness again. And then she would die from brain swelling due to hitting her head, severe cerebral edema, around 24 hours later. Marty would be convicted of two counts of second degree murder and be sentenced to 60 years in prison, and he wouldn't serve his sentence entirely alone. Friday, 
October 26th, three years later, 1.17 a.m. Marty is awoken in his prison cell by the sounds of muffled screaming. He doesn't want to open his eyes. He knows who he'll see in the corner, past the edge of his bed. He'll see Soma. He thought it would be over when they found her body, but it's never ended. Every night, at 1.17 a.m., she returns to him, and no one can see her but him. Sometimes she talks, sometimes she just quietly stares knowingly as he hears the screaming, the scratching, the clawing, the pounding now coming from beneath his bed. Once when he asked when, if, she would finally leave him alone, she told him it would all be over when he was over. She was waiting for him to die so she could be there to greet him when he finally crossed over and it would not be a pleasant reunion. Could she do that? Could she still torment him in death? Was she even really Soma? Was she a ghost? Or was she only in his head? In the end, if he couldn't escape this constant recurring nightmare, did that even really matter? And that is it for another installation of Nightmare Fuel. I hope you loved or were horrified by or at least entertained by today's tale of 1.17 a.m., an original short story written by me, Dan Cummins. If you enjoyed this story, Check out the rest of the Bad Magic production catalog. Time suck every Monday at noon Pacific time with little short sucks on some Fridays. And these Nightmare Fuel episodes on some Fridays as well. And of course, new episodes of the now long-running paranormal podcast, Scared to Death, every Tuesday at midnight. Please go to badmagicproductions.com for all your Bad Magic needs, including all show-related merch. And stay scared. Bad Magic Productions.